0: Good, well, good evening, everyone. Great to see you as we come to the end of our series in Daniel. First half we did last term and, and this half we've been looking at this term. hope you've enjoyed it. I hope it's been helpful. Um, as we've looked every week, they've been pretty challenging chapters. They've certainly been challenging to prepare, but I hope they've given us a bigger vision of God and greater confidence for the future. Um, next week, Neil's going to be taking on a completely new series, looking at something completely different. Um, which will be uh, good food for us all. Um, But we're coming to chapters 10 to 12, quite a big chunk tonight. And the reason we're looking at three chapters is really, they're three chapters that say the same thing. They're chapters that focus in on encouragement. And so we're going to take them as three three chapters as one. Um, So let me pray, and then uh, we're going to begin by watching a short video. Heavenly Father, as we learnt in the first six chapters of the book of Daniel last term in the mornings, we saw time and time again that you were the sovereign lord over Daniel's life and that filled us with encouragement that you are the sovereign lord of our lives and in the recent weeks and the evenings as we've journeyed through chapter 7 and now to the end to chapter 12 we thank you that you're also the sovereign lord of the future and all we thought this morning about what it means to have hope to have a certain hope of the future guaranteed for us because of all that Christ has done and as we live in this broken world facing opposition and spiritual battles each day we pray as we journey through these final chapters in the book of Daniel that you would open our hearts and our minds afresh to that glorious truth that you control the future please fill us with your confidence that we might keep trusting in you and following you all the days you give us life knowing that we have a secure inheritance kept in heaven for us because of all that Christ has done in our place. We thank you for that. And we pray as we look at these chapters now that you'd help us and that there would be food for our souls for the week ahead. Amen. Uh, I'm sure you've seen that little advert. Um, HSBC pride themselves, don't they, on being the sort of global bank and there's all sorts of different adverts that have come out over the years about it. But it's just that final line, as I've been watching TV recently and seen that advert, that struck me that... <laughs> We're not an island, we're part of something much bigger. And I hope that as we've been journeying through the book of Daniel, you've been encouraged to see that afresh. That we are part of something far bigger than our little world, our little life, all that we want to do in God's world. That there's a much bigger thing going on. There's an eternal plan that God began in the beginning. That God will one day finish and complete. Uh, And we're there in the middle of it. Uh, And we need to trust him with all that he has done, looking back, being assured of his character, and looking forward with expectation. And so I hope that we're seeing uh, through the book of Daniel that we are part of something much, much bigger than our own little lives. God is doing something eternal, something spiritual in his world to bring about his purposes. And uh, we're coming, as I said, to look at these three chapters together because in many ways they hang together. Uh, These are three chapters full of encouragement uh, as Christian believers to keep going, even when we can't see the future, even when it doesn't feel like God is with us or in control and so uh, slightly sort of gross summary but uh, if you were to summarize each of the three chapters I would say it's like this and we're going to look at each of these in turn as we just spend a few moments in each chapter I'm just going to draw us to some specific verses but chapter 10 in many ways reminds us afresh that faithfulness to God will involve suffering and we've seen that all the way through the book of Daniel and we're going to see it again in chapter 10 chapter 11 reminds us that we have every reason to be confident in Christ uh, and that in him we are secure and we thought about that a bit this morning didn't we thinking about how precious we are and how protected we are and we finished last week thinking about what it means to rest in the hands of an almighty god and then chapter 12 is really a final rallying cry from god to remind us to keep going by his grace uh, very significant keep going by his grace not just keep going in our own strength with the great encouragement it is worth it and so as we look at these three chapters together I pray that they will encourage you to keep going in the Christian life particularly when the going gets tough so let's look at that first one chapter 10 faithfulness to God will involve suffering Um, for the final time Daniel in this book this wonderful book gets another vision and we're told two things about the vision in verse 1 do you notice what they are? its message was true so whatever this vision is about God wants to remind us that it's true this isn't fantasy; it's not made up. The second thing that we want we're to learn from this vision comes in verse 1 as well. It concerns a great war. Or in another translation it will say, it was burdensome. So Daniel's given another vision. It's true, but it's about yet another horrific thing. Every vision we've had in the book of Daniel has been about terrifying and terrible things. And Daniel gets another one. And notice the result of all this. Look down to verse 3. Whatever it was that Daniel saw in this terrifying vision, it led him to mourn for three weeks. Uh, As we looked at, as I introduced this apocalyptic stuff a few weeks ago, it's a type of genre or writing in the Bible that's meant to evoke and stir emotions. And we've seen that every time there's a vision, Daniel's left quaking or terrified. And yet again, we have that. He's mourning here for three weeks. So whatever it is that God reveals to him, leaves him deeply, deeply saddened. Then jump to verse 8. Not only does this vision leave him uh, saddened, it also leaves him exhausted. And then you'll notice in verse 16, it also fills him with anguish. So God has revealed yet another vision to Daniel that's left him feeling utterly exhausted, vulnerable, full of anguish. But what Daniel is given in this vision is he's given a, a further insight from God into what God is doing in his world. And it's an insight that God specifically gives to Daniel where other people can't see. Because what Daniel's going to do is he's being given, in a sense, a little glimpse of something that everyone else can't see, which he's then going to speak to them by way of encouragement to help them to keep going. That is why I think Daniel is referred to in verse 11 as highly esteemed. It's this sense that he has a very specific role in God's plans. And so God has called Daniel apart and he's revealed some specific truth to Daniel at this particular time so he can speak to God's people. Remember where God's people are? They're in exile. They've been taken captive originally by the Babylonians. Now they're under Persian rule. They're looking back to Jerusalem. It's been destroyed. They're thinking, where is God? Where is our city? They're hopeless. And God is going to speak a message of hope to them through Daniel. If you remember at the summary of last week, chapters 7, 8, and 9 really is this battle that is raging. The kingdom of darkness, represented by Satan and all his powers and the kingdom of God, and they're clashing. And Daniel, and you and I, as followers of the Lord Jesus, are caught in the middle of this great clash, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God. And it's at that moment where Daniel, in a sense, could give up, could be worried, he's given this vision. Daniel chapter 10, verses 5 to 6. Look at the vision, I'll just read it to us. I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen, with a belt of the finest gold around his waist his body was like crystallite his face like lightning his eyes like flaming torches his arms and legs like a gleam of burnished bronze and his voice like the sound of the multitude now right here we don't know who this man is but this picture that is given of this man is a man of glory it's a glorious image isn't it that moves and stirs Daniel as he's just heard this terrible vision that's frightened him he's then given a picture of something bigger more wonderful far greater and then if you jump down to verse 13 you can see that this man who is in this vision is at war with the godless powers that are raging the godless powers that have left Daniel exhausted and terrified in his dream I think the point of reading this chapter is to teach us the same thing we've looked at last week and It's repetitive because that's what Daniel is doing. God is speaking, in a sense, the same message in different ways to Daniel, to really drive home the point. And this is this. When God enables us to see with his eyes, so he enables us to see what he sees, to see that the world's not just a physical place, but there's a deeply spiritual place where God is doing stuff in the spiritual realm that we can't see always. When he helps us to see that, and he helps us to see the desperate state of our world, and just how many people are opposed to him and his plans and purposes. It should overwhelm us. And doesn't it overwhelm Daniel? It's overwhelmed him many times through this book. He stops and he reflects on the state of his world, and it just leaves him exhausted and feeling overwhelmed. Where is he meant to turn? How is he meant to respond? I think uh, in our culture, particularly in the part of the world that we live, it is in a sense quite easy to be comfortable Because we could just live our lives our own way and kind of just ignore the brokenness around us. But actually, if you scratch below the surface, even in a a wealthy area like this, there's a lot of brokenness. Just this week, pastorally, within the church and and with associations with this church, there have been a number of really tricky pastoral things. But they're not just physical problems, they're deeply spiritual problems. And if we don't want to get our hands messy with messed up lives and people who are struggling, then life can be much easier, it can be comfortable. But as soon as we enter into the mess of other people's lives or we started missing the mess in our own lives and actually try to work through some of it that can be painful, it throws up all this stuff and we see that life is not easy. And I think it's for that reason why last week it's really significant that we looked at chapter 9. Do you remember I said that in, in a very busy, fast-paced book with vision, vision and, and energy that stirs the emotions, chapter 9 is the first time when we're caused to slow right down. And Daniel, if you looked at last week, prayed this amazing prayer, didn't he? Where he reflected on who God was and then looked forward with hopefulness. And I think that's really significant because if you and I rush through life, busy, busy, busy with our own agendas, we won't slow down enough to really see and hear what God is saying, to be attuned to what is going on in the spiritual realm. Isn't it significant when Jesus is very busy and the crowds are flocking around him, what does he do? he withdraws to a quiet and lonely place because it's there that his heavenly father can speak to him and show him, what is my agenda for your life? What do I want you to see? But all the time we're on the rat run, just running faster and faster and faster with our own lives, we miss it all. But something very powerful about that surrender in prayer, that when I slow down and I'm physically still and my soul and my heart is still, I can hear from God. Whoever heard from God when we were rushing about, It's impossible. But if I carve out that time to be still before the Lord in prayer and with my Bible open, he'll speak to me in a powerful way. He'll speak to you in a powerful way. And it's in light of how he spoke to Daniel last week in that moment of solitude and quiet that he's able to encourage him. Remember what we looked at last week, prayer at its heart is a recognition of who God is. And a recognition of who we are. And sin is a failure to understand that. Because if I have too high a view of myself, too small a view of God, why would I pray? Because I can fix the world's problems. But as soon as I'm humbled and I recognize that I'm not Lord, but there is a Lord, then he drives me to my knees in prayer. And that's a good place to be. So I hope we're seeing through this particular chapter that the battle of the Christian life is costly and it's tough. And it costs God a lot, did not it? cost God everything it cost him his only son who went to the cross ultimately to defeat death as we looked at this morning so that death was smashed to pieces so that you and I that great enemy that we cannot conquer has been conquered to give us hope and it would be costly for us to follow Christ as well if we're really going to deny ourselves take up our cross and follow him wherever that may be it can be tough being faithful to Christ as this chapter tells us time and time again can be costly Now, do you remember this picture from Pilgrim's Progress? If you weren't here last week, I'll I'll just remind everybody. On the right there, the the man who's looking very discouraged with the Bible in his hand is Christian, the central character in Pilgrim's Progress. In the background is this man, Interpreter. Christian arrives at Interpreter's house. and interpreter is trying to interpret, explain to Christian what's going on in his life. He's feeling exhausted and overwhelmed. And what Christian is looking at is that wall and the fireplace and the fire that's raging. And he sees in front of the fire this devil-like figure throwing buckets of water on the fire and the fire in this little image represents the faith in a believer's heart and christian is feeling overwhelmed being faithful to god is costly and he just wants to give up what he can't see is who's the other side of the wall and so in the story interpreter takes christian around the other side of the wall and there's that figure there who's very quietly in his hand got a little jug and he's pouring oil on the fire you remember that from last week God is the one who sustains your faith and keeps you going. And when you feel like everything's stacked against you and you can't keep going, God is at work in the background, pouring the oil of his love and grace on your life to keep you going. If you take that little analogy from Pilgrim's Progress with Christian and Interpreter, come back to chapter 10 because you see that same picture on view here. Look at Christian's experience, as it were. It's the same as Daniel's experience in chapter 10, verse 17. What does Daniel say? My strength is gone and I can hardly breathe. When Christian gets to Interpreter's house, he's saying the same thing. How do I keep going on this journey, this pilgrim's progress? I'm not really making much progress, he says. But then look at, as it were, Interpreter's encouragement. The living God who speaks to Daniel in chapter 10, verse 18 and 19. The man gave me strength. Do not be afraid. Peace, be strong now. So I want to encourage you that faithfulness to God will be costly and will involve suffering. It's a message we've heard many times now through the book of Daniel. And for the final time in this wonderful book, we're told that again. To be realistic that life can be tough, and for some it's really, really tough. But look at the glorious truth that follows in chapter 11. Be confident that in Christ you are secure. Do you see how chapter 10 ended? There's that lovely phrase where God is speaking to Daniel and says this, I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. In other words, what God is saying is, Daniel, let me remind you of what my plan is in my world. You're here and all you can see in front of you is opposition and stress and strain. You have no idea of the future i've just told you that there is a future and it's a good one but this is all that daniel sees over here and it's into that that god then speaks and says be confident let me tell you what my plan is for your life and then in chapter 11 what we see on view which is really like chapters 7 and 8 in particular is the rise and fall of different nations that are jostling for power and standing opposed to god I'm going to ask Kathy who's uh, seated to read to us just one example of this in chapter 11 She's going to read from verse 2 up to verse 10. Thank you, Kathy
1: This is the Lord speaking to Daniel Now then I tell you the truth Three more kings will arise in Persia and then a fourth who will be far richer than all the others When he has gained power by his wealth, he will stir up everyone against the kingdom of Greece Then a mighty king will arise who will rule with great power and do as he pleases. After he has arisen, his empire will be broken up and parceled out toward the four winds of heaven. It will not go to his descendants, nor will it have the power he exercised, because his empire will be uprooted and given to others. The kingdom, the king of the south will become strong, but one of his commanders will become even stronger than he and will rule his own kingdom with great power. After some years, they will become allies. The daughter of the king of the south will go to the king of the north to make an alliance, but she will not retain her power and he and his power will not last. In those days, she will be betrayed. Together with her royal escort and her father and the one who supported her. One from her family line will arise to take her place. He will attack the forces of the king of the north and will enter his fortress. He will fight against them and be victorious. He will also seize their gods, their metal images and their valuable articles of silver and gold and carry them off to Egypt. For some years he will leave the king of the north alone. Then the king of the north will invade the realm of the king of the south, but will retreat to his own country. His sons will prepare for war and assemble a great army, which will sweep on like an irresistible flood and carry the battle as far as his fortress.
0: We won't get bogged down now into all the detail of all that this represents. It almost certainly represents physical nations vying for power with each other, standing opposed to God. But also, I'm sure it also represents a spiritual battle that's going on, representative of the ongoing battle that we've looked at in every week. But the interesting thing is, for the vast majority of chapter 11, there's no reference to God anywhere. All that Daniel sees in this vision is just opposition. More and more feeling a sense of being overwhelmed. Where is God in all of this? If you have a Bible, why don't you just uh, flick back to Psalm two? Be a familiar Psalm to most here, I'm sure. <coughs> just going to read the first half of Psalm two. The writer says this in Psalm two: Why do the nations conspire, and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Let us throw their chains, they say, and throw off their fetters. So what's going on in Psalm 2 is a picture of the nations, the godless nations that are living in defiance of God. And they're just saying, we don't need to be controlled by God, we are Lord, he is not Lord. And we stand in opposition against him. We don't want God to control us, constrain us in any way. But look at what the psalmist says as he looks out across a godless world, feeling overwhelmed by this opposition. He reminds himself of this glorious truth. The one enthroned, verse 4, in heaven, laughs. The Lord scoffs at them and he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. That's a picture of our world, isn't it? You and I live in a godless world where it feels sometimes like the evil powers have got the upper hand. There is so much brokenness in our world, which as we see from Daniel and his response to this vision leaves him overwhelmed, grieving, exhausted. And I wonder if you ever just put on the news tonight, you'll probably be feeling something similar. But it's into all of that mess where we feel God is absent, that God speaks truth. And he does it in Psalm 2 saying why do people do this? because Jesus Christ rules he is God's king he has beaten death he is now seated in the right hand of the throne of heaven ruling and he promises one day to come back and make right all that is good so what's Daniel to do with all this Right? here's the mess that Daniel's living with this is what he's experiencing and feeling and can see then God speaks this theological truth to him and if you put yourself in the story here's the mess of our life and everything we experience and feel and yet we read these theological truths which i'm sure we believe in our heart but but how do they two connect because that is what really matters But what was daniel to do and what are we to do when we're feeling overwhelmed have a look at chapter 11 verse 32 the people who know their god will firmly resist it's a wonderful assurance the people who know their god will firmly resist and how will we firmly resist well we looked at it last week by trusting in what god has said remember a few weeks ago this is the word this will happen god has spoken and when god says i will one day make right everything that's gone wrong i will return i will rescue you i will take you to a place for all eternity where you know me and walk humbly with me That's a promise that you have to cling to. And so you take what you see in front of you, what you experience and what you feel. You take that truth and you bring them together and you cling to the truth. Even when you can't see its truth. Because we walk by faith, don't we? Not by sight. But isn't there an encouragement that we will stand firm? And how do we know that we'll stand firm? Verse 32. Because verse 35 says, there is an appointed time. God, as we've seen all the way through the book of Daniel, is Lord of history. And he's already determined the day when he will come back and make everything right. And verse 45, all opposition against God will come to an end. And I love that truth. And I try to speak that truth to myself when I get discouraged, which is often and easily. And I try to speak that truth to others when they get discouraged often and easily. There's that wonderful truth we saw back in chapter 5 that's actually become one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Uh, chapter 5, verse 23, the God who holds in his hands your life and all your ways. Isn't that an amazing verse? And we looked at it last week, didn't we? If I surrender my life with this posture before God in humble dependence, God is doing something very similar with his hands, but his hands are together and he holds us. And we are secure in Christ, which is what chapter 11 is all about. So just as we close, chapter 12. Faithfulness to God will involve suffering, but we can be confident that we're secure in Christ. What is chapter 12 then going to say? God says to Daniel, and he continues to say this to us today, friends, keep going by God's grace. It is worth it. It is worth it. And to help us to see that, we're just going to work through a series of short questions. It's basically a question and answer, chapter 12 if you were Daniel and you're living here and this is what you see and you feel and you experience and then God speaks a message of hope which you then cling to in all of that mess what is the obvious first question you're going to ask what's the obvious first question that you would ask you'll see it there in chapter 12 verse 6 what question does he ask how long this is where I am this is what I'm experiencing. this is what I see God speaks truth I believe that truth I cling to that truth but even though I cling to that truth it doesn't take away the pain it doesn't take away the mess of my life so the first question the obvious question that Daniel asks I'm sure you ask is how long Lord how long have I got to keep going for because it's tough and look what God says in verse 7 this will probably irritate you I met it, irritated Daniel here's my answer for a time times and half a time It's not very helpful, is it? Daniel's going, well, that doesn't help me. What is a time, times, and half a time? Just tell me, is it months? Is it days? Is it years? Lord, just tell me the day you're coming back, and then I'll keep going. It's like running a marathon. Every every 10 miles or so, there's another marker in the ground telling me how far I've gone, and how far I've got to keep going. These markers help me, because I know I've only got two, three, four miles left. Keep going. But when God says, well, guess what? How long? For a time, times, and half a time is not great. But why does he say that and not say, Daniel, it will be in 1,000 years, 2,000 years, 4,000 years, or whatever it will be? Here's the point, and we've seen this through Daniel already. God controls the time, not Daniel. Does God know what a time times and half a time is? Of course he does. He knows exactly what it is. But do you and I know what that time represents? No, we don't. So you're frustrated, right? I'm frustrated. I'm sure Daniel's frustrated. So he answers back to God, verse 8. What does he say? I heard but I didn't understand Does that resonate with your heart? Times, time, and half a time What is all that about? So he says again to my Lord, verse 8 What will the outcome of this be? Come on God, stop playing with me Tell me the answer How many days, months, years Have I got to keep going? And by asking that question He reveals to himself in that very moment He doesn't know the time God knows the time but he doesn't He has to ask God twice And God doesn't give him his answer But what answer does God give you and me in our suffering as we persevere? Verse 9 Go your way Daniel for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Pretty frustrating even now isn't it? You're still going it still doesn't help I'd rather stick with time times and half a time. (laughs) But what is the theological point that God is teaching Daniel what is the theological point he's trying to teach us it's this God knows the time you and I don't know the time so stop trying to tell the time instead trust me let me be Lord of history you don't need to be Lord now that's a difficult truth to grapple with really difficult and you have to wrestle with that and you have to take that wrestling to God in prayer But it's the message of the book of Daniel. Daniel, trust me, I tell the time, you can't tell the time. So stop trying to tell the time. Instead, verse 13, as for you, go your way to the end. Daniel, persevere. Keep walking by faith. But look at the incredible encouragement that finishes in the end of chapter 12. You will rest And then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. Do you notice the two wills there? You will rest. In other words, it will come to an end. And you will one day rise to receive your allotted inheritance. God has no maybes here. When God speaks and says this will happen, it will happen. And I think that is why in the first six chapters of the book of Daniel, Daniel was revealing his character to Daniel. Daniel, I am your sovereign Lord. Why did Daniel need to learn that through all the journeys and battles he went through in the first six chapters so that in the future, as he looks forward without knowing the future, he can trust the God who does. So if you look back over your life, you look at some of the things you've gone through that have been difficult. What has God been teaching you through them? I'm sure he's been humbling you and reminding you, keep trusting me. I've proven to you that I'm faithful and I will continue to be faithful into the future. So friends, as you keep asking the same question that Daniel asks, how long, O oh Lord, God whispers in your ear with a real gentleness and love, in my time. And then you answer back and say, but I can't see how I can keep going when I can't see the future. And God whispers to you, trust me, my friend, I'm in control. It doesn't make the mess any easier, but it enables us to keep going in the mess because we are submitting our life to the one who holds in his hands our life and all our ways that is the message of the book of Daniel and I pray it will encourage us to keep going as a church corporately, but also for you to keep going in your own individual walk with the Lord whatever it is that you're battling with, whatever it is that you're struggling with know that glorious truth of Daniel 5 verse 23 he holds in his hands your life and all your ways That is the safest pair of hands in the world, isn't it? Amen.